Hi, I'm your host, Will Poole, and you're listening to The 77, a podcast where founders from the global south share their strategies and secrets for scaling their businesses. Have you wondered about the similarities and differences between startups in the world's fastest growing economies? Do you expect their challenges to be the same or different from those of Silicon Valley's best? This podcast is a means for you to get valuable insights into the world of Global South tech startups through meaningful conversations with inspiring leaders. There are 77 countries designated by the UN as Global South. At Capria, a venture firm, we have interest in more than 500 companies that are operating in almost half of the 77 countries already. Let's get started. So I'm here today with Praveen, who's the co-founder and CEO of Better Place. Praveen, thank you very much for joining us. Known you for a long time, and uh, it's been a great relationship over the years, and it's been fabulous to be on the journey seeing Better Place grow from where you started it to what it is today. But I'm going to try to get into a little bit of uh, a couple of questions about helping us to understand what makes you tick before we uh, get into some of the more meaty business questions. You are uh, one of the more exceptional leaders that I've worked with, and um, be modest about that, that's fine. But I, I, I wanna ask you, you know, from your perspective, you know, what is one capability or trait that you think has been very important to your either personal or business life? It's audacious and crazy goals that we set for ourselves with sharp execution. What is a a capability or trait that you think that any successful entrepreneur must have? Uh, I think uh, the life of an entrepreneur is kind of a roller coaster, right? It's up and down. So one thing that they should have is undying optimism all the time and belief in their team and themselves that they can achieve everything that they desire to. Who is a founder that others might know that you really admire? And then in one sentence, why do you admire them? couple of names that comes in my mind, but one name is uh, Sridhar Vembu, founder of Zoho. Based out of India, he has created a global company, very, very highly reputed, as well as he is a very grounded person. So at the end of the day, you create huge impact and be grounded is what I really love. Now let's, let's shift to talking a bit about Better Place. So tell me just briefly, what does Better Place do? We are actually creating a digital transformation using our Better Place platform. If you look at on one hand, there are enterprises who have the problem of efficiency and productivity. And on the other hand, there are individuals, the frontline workers who have the problem of access to opportunity like credit, insurance, better job, and so on. We basically bridge the gap through our platform. And our desire is to help around 150 million people across the world change the entire landscape of the blue-collar economy. And you said blue-collar, which uh, not everybody would be familiar with. So what does the blue-collar economy mean to you? Basically, the frontline workforce, like a delivery boy, a driver, a manufacturing or a construction staff, or BFSI and so on. Better Place is successful. It already is successful. So as you're increasing your success, what, what do you think will be the end effect caused by the success of Better Place? I think the one thing that will uh, hugely satisfy me personally would be uh, impacting at least 150 million people across India, South Asia, Middle East, and so on, where we can create a better place for them, which basically means creating an access to opportunity like better skill, better job, higher earning, better health, and so on. So that would really inspire and make us happy. 
What countries do you operate in today? And what other countries do you think have similar needs as to where you are now? Right now, uh, Will, we are operating in, only in India. We would be very soon starting in Indonesia and Malaysia. We believe uh, opportunities stays across Southeast Asia, like Thailand, Vietnam, Philippines. Uh, Middle East would definitely be our next stop, might be mid of next year. Do you know of other companies that are working on a similar problem, either in India or in the other geographies that you mentioned? This is an emerging area right now across the world. So you see companies like Fiverr, Upwork in US, you see uh, jobs and talent in uh, Spain and UK. In India, we started this business seven years back. Uh, there are new players also coming up like Geekforce, one of your portfolio companies, uh, which is doing part of the business that we focus on. There's another company called Smart Stuff, but they are at a very nascent stage or very early stage compared to where we are today. And what do you see as one of the biggest barriers to your regional or ultimate global expansion? This is a growing area, Will, right? And any growing area, there are always uh, kind of resistance in terms of is the right thing to do or not. So are, everyone is looking for a role model, right? And I think the industry is going through the change, the transition. So the barrier right now, in my view, is the change management, the awareness that we have to create, both for the employers as well as for the individuals that the direction is digital, and this is the only way you will survive, right? And people, fortunately, post-pandemic, have started realizing this faster than they used to do it pre-pandemic. So you said the word change management. So you're saying that the barrier is from your customers who are large enterprise customers, is adopting new ways, digital ways of doing things that they used to do in less effective means? That was the case pre-pandemic largely. Post-pandemic, it has started changing, but that's the biggest barrier when it comes to individuals. They're used to the processes they are doing, right? Even at SAP, I used to see the same thing, that people are used to certain processes. They don't want to change that fast. So they always look for role models in the industry. There's a herd mentality that starts kicking in that if the top 10 companies are doing, I should also do it. And that's what we see right now. Let's talk a little bit about some things that are just related to running your business every day. What's a recent business decision that you're really proud of? Two years back, I thought that the only way you can grow is organic, right? And I never thought about an inorganic path where you can kind of uh, consolidate the opportunities and bring larger value to the customers. Last year, we started thinking in this direction, uh, early last year, and we started executing mid of last year. We acquired four companies in last nine months, and I'm super excited about it because that not only has helped us grow, but this has created more value for our customers at the end, right? Because they see one single platform which is solving all their problems. And I think this was a fantastic thing that we did uh, as part of our overall strategy, of course. So, so we're going to dive more into acquisitions in, in, in a minute, but are, are there any areas outside of that that you think have the decisions you've made relative to how you operate the business that, that have really helped you succeed? I think the other thing that we have from a business point of view uh, that we have done is some of the areas we were looking at more building ourselves, for example, providing credit by ourselves, providing everything by ourselves. We decided that we cannot provide everything by ourselves. We have to go into a partnership mode. That is the fastest way to grow your business, where you focus on your core, your strength, and there are players who can actually bring their own strength. The combination actually will unleash the opportunity bigger and faster. Uh, be it uh, credit, be it insurance, be it other products that we are working on from a category point of view. Let, let's flip to the other side of the coin. We're, as entrepreneurs, we all make mistakes. As human beings, we do too. What's one business decision that, that you regret? 
I can list it down and we can go on and go on for, for the entire evening, Will. Uh, but I think uh, there's one thing I can talk about is uh, building a e-bike solution as a category. I, I love e-bikes, so, so tell me why, why was that a bad move? Well, we thought this will be a big opportunity. The country is moving in that direction, and uh, we can actually expedite this entire process with our partnership with the OEMs. Uh, but we actually made a huge mistake. Uh, first of all, we didn't understand the requirement of the user well. We thought everyone would like to have an e-bike, but then they already had a bike. Why would they replace the bike? We didn't deep dive into that. Second is, we assume that the manufacturer will provide the bike at the price that the bike guy can buy it, uh, but then there were a lot of issues. So when you move faster and there are too many dependencies around it, you have to go slower and deep dive into that and take a step-by-step -step approach. The third thing that we did is uh, the model itself that we thought we will create a model where we will own the entire e-bikes ourselves and then provide to the individual, which adds to huge capex and you can't run it forever, right? And that's where the partnership model that I mentioned uh, as a business decision we took also makes it lighter from our integration point of view. Uh, we stopped the e-bike model completely. What was one thing or what is one thing other than capital that you most seek from your investors? You have a number of very good investors now. So what, what, what do you need from us? So Will, that's a fantastic question. And, and anytime and every time I'm having this conversation with future investors as well, I bring that point very clearly. Uh, I think capital is uh, given, right? You take capital and go on. The investors fortunately have a much larger perspective, right? What I need is more strategic thinking, uh, questioning and challenging myself, uh, whether we are doing the right thing or not, getting the right network in place, helping us in our uh, growth strategy uh, in terms of uh, geographically uh, or, or uh, product-wise, what are the right things? I think it is more of a partnership in terms of how to grow the company from, let's say, from where we are today to a $5 billion, $10 billion and make it a global leader, right? That's what I look forward to rather than just the capital. Uh, that, that's a good list. Hold, hold, keep the bar high and make us work hard for you. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's dive a little bit more into the M&A side of the world, because this is a, an area that we found to be uh, very interesting across many of the investments we've made across the global south. So let, let's start j just fundamentally, and I, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this question, but do you believe that acquisition is a real shortcut to faster business growth, or do some of the hidden costs and delays, which I know you've experienced a few of, do they end up reducing that speed advantage? I don't think it's a shortcut to uh, faster growth. I think if you if you look at a shortcut to faster growth and then you do acquisition, you will end up making a lot many mistakes in my view. I think it's a it's a strategy which should fit into your overall expansion plan, right? Why you are buying it? How is that going to help your customers? How is that going to help your product portfolio? How is that going to help your integration? I think there are multiple factors that you should look into and then make a decision. At the end of the day, the idea is that if you bring everything together, it has to work seamlessly and expand your business uh, from a customer point of view. Otherwise, uh, if you look for like, just acquire some revenue and double yourself next year, then my strong belief is that we will fall flat. So, so your point really is, is go in with eyes open and don't think of it as being faster, but think of it as being better and increasing the strength of what you do. Correct. But it's not necessarily gonna make it faster. And 
you, you mentioned you've acquired four companies and you're still a pretty young company. And so that, I think that's a pretty aggressive approach to M&A. At what stage of the business did you see these M&A opportunities start to make sense? And did you think about it mostly for trying to improve your strength and scope of the business? Or did you think about it first around how to uh, expand your product line? I think the first five and a half, six years, we continued to build what we were having uh, well, right? The idea was that you understand your customers well, you understand uh, their needs, you build a product that you want to uh, kind of uh, go with uh, to them uh, and build a relationship with your customers, right? And that's what we did. We perfected that with our onboarding, background verification, and other solutions. And as we were speaking to customers, we realized that there is an opportunity uh, that we can build on top. And then came build versus buy. And we looked around the opportunity. We saw uh, buy opportunity clearly uh, helping us, on one hand, helping our customers to grow faster, on the other hand, helping us to grow uh, as well. And we went that direction. I think the decision not, was not based on whether we are one year old or, or, the, or we are 10 year old. The decision was that uh, if I take it, Am I matured enough or, uh, uh, or am I in good shape to digest what I'm buying as well, right? Can I bring that with my customers, my existing solutions and offer it to my customers? So maturity of your existing product, integrating that with the new one that you are bringing, maturity of your organization so that you can digest the entire thing and still make it as one team. I think those are important aspects rather than uh, the, the age of the company in my perspective. That's really helpful. And, and but just for, for context, again, obviously, if you're a really young company still trying to figure you're not mature, you're, you're you know, series seed, maybe, or you're just raising series A, you probably don't have either the capabilities or, or the cash to to do a, an acquisition. So where were you um, in terms of that journey of not just maturity, but also in terms of getting enough a capital to be able to go and make it make an acquisition that that worked out. Were you Series A, Series B, or where, where, where were you? We had just closed our Series C when we did our first uh, acquisition. Well, and I think that's an important point that you do not start when you are not uh, capital or you are not having sufficient capital in the bank as well to back you, right? Because there are there could be mistakes that you end up doing. So your existing business has to continue to grow organically. The new business is only adding and expanding it rather than eating into your own pie, right? And then you will have the problem of managing uh, both the boards at the same time, right? So it is very important that your business is growing, existing business is growing, your capital is, is not a worry, and you have sufficiently carve out capital for your new risk that you are taking as well, right? So Series C was a good time for us from a capital uh, point of view. In one line, what would you say was the key deciding factor that really firmed up your view as an executive that it's time to go and pull the trigger on an acquisition? Uh, I think uh, when we were talking to our customers, uh, they were looking at one partner, one uh, trusted partner who can solve all their problem. And they were not looking at a vertical solution. And we saw this as an opportunity that we can lead the market with consolidation, right? And if we leave the room open, then there could be somebody else who will come into the play as well. So either you be the leader, fight the bullet and go on. And I think the, the driving force for us was that we can be the player uh, by providing the comprehensive solution. And that's the decision we took uh, uh, mid of last year. What you're saying is by your customers, 
which is the best reason to ever do anything. It was driven by our customers, absolutely, Will. And are, are there any areas where you have struggled to either extend your product line or enter a new geography that a strategic acquisition is, is really the right solution for you? Yeah, so I think there are two examples that I can talk about. One is uh, fintech, where you need to have a lot more knowledge about the product. You need to have data because there's a lot of uh, algorithms that you have to write for underwriting and other things. So you need to have past experience. If you start building it today, it might take three years, five years for you to be there. So this is one product kind of thing that you would like to acquire. And from a geographical point of view, I strongly believe uh, that when you are looking at countries like Indonesia, where you are doing it, or for that matter, Vietnam and Middle East, having a team locally with founders and top executives who understand the culture, who can build the team locally, who can grow the business locally, and who have uh, basically a customer base, which gets, gives you, you know, a jump start. My view is very strong that if we are looking at a new country, which has very local dynamics, I would absolutely go for an uh, inorganic path there. And there are obviously many things you've got to do to get an acquisition right. But what is the, if you had to pick just one of them, that's the most difficult to make sure that an acquisition is ultimately successful for you, what would that number one thing be? I think the easiest path is that just to pay the money and buy the company. That's the easiest path. What happens after that is the post-integration of the management team of the product that becomes the biggest challenge. If you don't do it right, you are going to fail for sure. There is no, I mean, it's not only about that you have a large business and both business will work together. That's not going to happen. Uh, it's really the integration of the team and the product which will define the success or the failure. And I think uh, I really give a lot of credit to you for hitting me with the hammer all the time that this is the most important thing uh, that we have to work on. Well, I appreciate that. I've, uh, I've learned through the school of hard knocks, as they say. <laughs> what are key three, maybe, struggles that, uh, that you had in making that acquisition work? Uh, one is uh, integration of the product, the shortest path to that. Second is ensuring that the existing team and the new team which is coming in is working together very, very clearly. Uh, so they do not fight with each other. There's no politics, but completely aligned. And the third is the messaging to the customers. How do you position this correctly to the customers with your right brand, right product, right position? If you were advising another founder, as you are through this podcast right now, what are three things that that other founders should be very mindful of when they are considering making maybe their first acquisition? Number one, do it only when you think you should do it rather than do it because everyone else is doing it. So that has to justify your business rather than capital in the bank. Second is uh, you have to have clear bandwidth defined within your organization who will do it pre and post integration. If you do not have that, then you will certainly fail, right? And the third thing is your product integration, how this will look like two years, three years from now. If you do not have clarity on that, do not do it. Fantastic. Pr Praveen, th thank you so much. This has been a great conversation. I appreciate you sharing the perspectives of Better Place with other founders around the Global South. Uh, we can all learn from each other, from successes and failures. And that's the, it's the best way to grow a company and, and build a community of entrepreneurs who are changing the world. So thanks for being part of that and appreciate your time today. 
Thank you, Will. Pleasure speaking to you. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed learning with me today. I have one offer for you and two easy asks. First, if you're looking to connect with any of the hundreds of amazing entrepreneurs in the Capria Founders Network or with our local and regional investing partners who collectively manage over a billion dollars in assets, head over to capri.vc slash podcast. Second, please be sure you subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast streaming platform. And third, please share this podcast with anybody who think will benefit from the insights shared today. Today's episode was produced by Atri Unipasna from our talented team in Bangalore, India. Thanks. See you next time.